Garage Tent. No, 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 no. You, you got me too far into that old school mentality when you were talking earlier. I'll start doing the, the, the rap. I'll laugh. <laughs> oh, <that's fun. laughs> oh, man. I just made my fe- myself feel real old right there. <laughs> You know what, man? The rapping Duke. <laughs> duh, duh. I don't think that's your style. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. That's like one thing where there's so like there's certain there's certain aspects of like modern hip hop that make me want to like put my fist through a wall, but like I. <laughs> Being the old curmudgeon that I am and all, I still have to remember, like, we had some stupid hip-hop, too. We did. You know what I mean? Like, there was some really, really bad stuff that got a lot of play. You know what I mean? So it's, like, as mad as you can be. Mm -hmm. Like, I have, I have, uh, what do you call it, Um, uh, almost a morbid curiosity to follow certain rappers that I can't stand. figures that i can't stand like and i'll follow them just like just just to kind of like remind myself like this is where you could be <laughs> you know? right right oh, goodness man like well you know there's a dude man there's a dude uh it's it a black dude his 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 rants about racism and stuff it was pretty intelligent i won't call it a rant because it it dumbs it down but he had these uh videos that went viral about racism and and all kinds of racial injustices and stuff mm-hmm. and then he started getting a lot of backlash and then he started thinking i can't understand the other person's point because of who i am okay so he went and did an experiment where he created an online persona that was a white guy he's obviously a black guy and but he went into these extremist groups and started and he did this like an undercover thing well, anyway, that's what he did, but that's that's what that's what we got to do. Do that and just, just kind of infiltrate. <laughs> infiltrate just, just like, watch like like three months from now, you're gonna see me as part of Little Yachty's crew. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, is that what's back there? That's right. He's ascending to the doing? top of the top. In Why the is he? Is he snorting Robitussin? Like, how do you even do that? Why is that even happening? Listen, man, if you're gonna get if you're gonna get stupid, you gotta go all the way. All the way in. <laughs> never you might never recover. What was it you know, <laughs> in, in Tropic Thunder when the dudes <laughs> when, I'm a dude dressed as a dude playing another dude. When uh when Ben Stiller was like like yo, I, I went, I got really I believed I was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man, man. That's this up. is this is this is uh beat people podcast we should probably beat people podcast is what it is welcome to the beat people podcast big up to the squad 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 <laughs> got my man flux in the house what's going on man it's been i'm indeed here of uh flux with it.com and youtube.com forward slash flux with it and uh instagram flux 302 yeah yeah so there you go there's that's all my social media present stuff shoot that's yeah, it is i keep flux 302 pretty much across every platform in one way or another um which uh is, is good and bad but you can you can trace my roots through uh the online history if you search through forums and all that kind of stuff you'll see me from back in like oh two you know, <laughs> whatever like that's actually it, it's funny because that's, that's, dope, how, that's how that's how saint joe and i met 
back mm-hmm. in the day. Like I want to say it was we probably met back like oh two or oh four somewhere around there. Um on a forum and then we kind of noticed because he always kept the same name and i always kept the same name and then we started meeting up in similar areas and, and it was like oh you're saint joe okay i know you <laughs> and then uh you know it was it was years later before we actually met in person you know because he's out in kansas so shout out to kansas word shout out to kansas with them scary ass clouds they be that's over exactly there. what i was thinking man <laughs> <laughs> I'm not with that. <laughs> Shout out to Delaware for keeping the weather mild. Hey, so we were talking about Tropic Thunder. Somebody said you should never go full retard. And and uh, the chat and the chat and the chat said this message is held for review. We're being well, censored over here. Here's the thing I'll say about that. I'm, I'm going to comment on it because I am mm-hmm. the parent of a special needs child. So okay. um, it took me so long to, to grasp the how and the why that that word is offensive and this and that uh mm-hmm. because i myself i tend to not be offended by it and i still look at it as um so so it's no longer used that term is no longer used in in uh any kind of care medical at all yeah. it's yeah it's not it's not a medical term anymore at all it, it was at one point it is not now but that being said i still look at it as like okay like I work on mechanical things that you can retard an engine, like mm-hmm. to hold back, you know, just, so to me, it's like, like I see both sides of it, well, fire the bottom, like, but the bottom line is ways that mean specific things, not derogatory. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the problem is, is that it, it gets used in a derogatory way and it was used for bullying and other things. And I get all that, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. that is a damn funny movie. <laughs> Like, it is. <laughs> and if you don't crazy. have a sense of humor about what hurts you in this world, you will not make it through this world. So I, <laughs> I you know, I, I am I am very much of the mindset like you know sometimes we have to learn that offensive things also help people get through the day. Sometimes you know, as as ugly as that can be, and, and yeah, it's a it's a very precarious line to walk to say something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to say that, you know what, hey, sometimes being offensive is okay. That is a really precarious line to walk. And I myself, I tend to be careful about it. But listen, if you're quoting a movie, you're quoting a movie. You're quoting a movie. That's and it, it was a damn funny scene. So, so yo, YouTube, let's, let the comment fly. Let it fly. Don't censor us. So, hey, let's let's jump into Superbook, man. What you, this is, uh, oh, yeah. Over, is, it, is it over like tomorrow or something? Does it last like a week? Um, oh man. So it's over now. I think, I think, Mm -hmm. I think it's today was the last day, um, which, you know, they're over in Germany. So it's over now. One day I'm going to be able to go. So first, the first thing that pops into my mind at a super booth, um, I want to say personally for me, the Medusa is like the first thing that I, I was like, Oh snap. Like that thing is like, and I know that there was some teasers beforehand about it. But man, the Medusa is dope. Like Medusa that thing is indeed dope. It's not. It's oh, not. Right. It's not crazy cheap, but it also doesn't feel overpriced to me. Yeah. See, either. so a thousand dollars, basically, right? Yeah, nine 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 is what yeah. I was hearing, and to me, it's like that's one of them things where it's like it doesn't. Even though that price is not, I mean, you can get a nice ass TV for that, but you know what? <laughs> that synth looks dope, and the sequencer. The fact that they're also doing that that sequencer with the with the pads, the sixty four mm-hmm. pads on it, they're gonna do that as a separate module, like the grid 
I think they're calling it. Um, yeah, man, that thing looks interesting. Like Polyand Medusa. Yeah, it does yeah, look Yeah, Polyand Medusa. It's Polyand and it's a Dreadbox to combine. And I was not prepared for the fact that it was, you know, it would have wavetables and it's got five LFOs that are loopable and completely freely assignable of uh, five envelopes that are, you know, so five envelopes and five LFOs, both completely assignable and, you know, free to do what you want with. So like modulation wise, that thing looks like a powerhouse and it's gorgeous too. Like everything Polyen seems to do, like whoever their hardware design team is hats off to those guys because they just seem really dialed yeah, that in looks beautiful yeah just <laughs> look at that you know what it's i mean like, like especially gorgeous. for a new company like between mm -hmm. that and they have another product called the seek um mm -hmm. which is their sequencer then they've got the um the perk pro and their their percussion system all that stuff is just so well designed it just looks great you know it's sleek um everything about it I, I i enjoy like everything that i've seen about that just looks really fantastic to me yeah it really does yeah they the, did a great job i think it's a good pairing for uh dreadbox and polyen to get together because dreadbox has an incredible sound we all know that and you know it's messed up because i've never had a dreadbox synth at all I've but used them. i, I I've can't used them. front on how good they look uh is it detachable nah it's not detachable it's it's one no, nah, but they're they're that grid piece they're gonna release as a separate module with IO all its own. Um, okay, that's dope because I know that they were working on like weren't they working on a software grid? Or oh, no? I don't I don't know, but I do know that um like the, the stuff that they do tends to be very compatible with other gear, both through MIDI and through C V. So mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm interested to see what kind of IO that module itself has. I didn't I didn't fully check all the specs on it. Um I just watched a, a few videos and whatnot. Um mm -hmm. shout out to Synth Anatomy. Um that's that's uh one of the cats that I like to follow because I've met him a few times in person. Yeah, super nice dude. Yeah, yeah, he's super cool. nice. And he grinds, man. Like hey, where is Superbooth again? In Germany? Superbooth is in Berlin. Yeah, that's Berlin. that's in his backyard. So yeah. Right. Yeah. So someone in the chat is asking why I didn't go. Because it's in Berlin, bro. Yeah. Honestly, it, it's it's a monetary thing really for me. Monetary and time wise. Plus I'd recently had a house fire. So it, it, if I was to leave right now without my house being finished, being fixed, uh, that come would back to a cool. divorce is what it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And apparently, <laughs> apparently that's, that's a not an okay thing. Cause yeah, yeah, no. So, <laughs> Word up. Um, so okay, let me gotta, see. Like, what's the stats on this that. Medusa? I want to tell everybody first what the stats are on this Medusa. It is 64 fully responsive and customizable uh three-dimension expressive pads. Uh both a musical controller and sequencer fixed in one powerful grid. The grid is storing 256 independent sequences and voice presets. Uh, sequence notes, parameter locks. Oh, that's dope. Got param locks, P locks. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Per even step. entire voice presets per step. That is really dope. Um, choose any modulation parameter per pad for X and Y pressure axis. Uh, advanced voice and sequence randomizer unvoid. That's dope. Three sequences, three sequence mode, step, live, and incremental. What's the incremental? Yeah, I know stepping live is, is obvious, but all necessary grid information uh, is given to crispy OLED. Oh, it has an OLED screen. Yeah, this is this is a dope piece. 
And so three synchronizable oscillators, analog oscillators, a choice of four classic wave types for each of them. <sighs> three wavetable digital oscillators. Good gracious. Yeah, just basically the whole the whole thing to me looks pretty forward thinking. Is like it really I is. had seen I had seen some images of it a while back and I was kind of like, okay, that's that's cool. But then I, I started digging into it a little bit more and I was like, oh my goodness, like it, it does so much more than what I expected that they were gonna do. So mm -hmm. I, I'm just I'm happy that they didn't settle for just pairing it with a sequencer and calling oh, yeah, it. Yeah, they went. <laughs> they really kind of went to town on this thing. Um, you know what I like is the way they is the way uh, they went and and the way they did the collaboration where it was like we could just do this, but we could keep going back to the board. And it's like they had fun making this together. You know what I mean? Like they thought about all this different stuff they could do. And then they expanded and expanded it and turned into like for all of that stuff, uh, like you said, thousand dollars 9.99 may sound like a, a lot of money it is right but the, for what you're getting in this thing it's not outrageous it's pretty dope yeah I, so that was like the first thing and probably most impactful thing to me um personally about it when, when i saw that i was just like wow like not only is it a nice design and not only is it the analog side is coming from a company that you know, everybody seems to respect and love. Um, I will say, um, pretty much uh, every time I've used anything from Dreadbox, it sounded really, really good. And yeah. I can't think of a single time I've heard anybody send out any kind of negative vibes about any of their gear. Like yeah, honestly, nope, like never ever been able to. Which is which is one of those things where it's like, man like what is it that they're doing so different from everybody else and I, I i don't have an answer i can just simply say like one they they're doing some smart things like one of the things is is um i love the fact that uh i love the i love going euro rack i have plenty of euro rack i i love it um but to me there's a barrier of entry for euro rack that you know isn't really necessary to get the same kind of sound you know what mm -hmm. i mean and the fact that they came out originally they they were doing the airbus and they like they had these kind of self-contained units you didn't need a euro rack for it and it allowed itself to get put into the hands of people who just wanted to make music with really great analog sounds Word. and they did it with great designs so they build up a reputation super fast and mm -hmm. Their stuff just sounds good. Every everything that I've used of theirs, I use the Abyss and I've used uh the Error Box. And both of those things just sound badass. Like they sound really full and like they don't it doesn't sound compromised in any way. No, know? not at all. They went all in. They really didn't leave anything, you know, on the table with this thing. They they go for it. And the fact that and the fact that they paired up with Polyend, which is Polyend is a new company too, mm -hmm. and they just been hitting people over the head with dope stuff. So it's like, you know, the fact that they paired up with anybody at all was was dope to begin with. And the fact True. that, you know, it's not only did they say, Okay, well, we know that these guys can make analog oscillators that sound fat. We know that they make analog filters that sound fat. We know that they've got, you know, these cool um envelopes and this and that. 
but the fact that they went a step further, they put digital control over everything. They put uh, wavetable oscillators in there. Everything's morphable, by the way. Like they've got um, like triangle wave, uh, saw wave, square wave, all that stuff is, you can morph all that stuff um, in real time on there. So like the digital waves also have um, those triangle wave, like the traditional waveforms, and then you can morph them. And then on top of that, they added the waveforms, which is dope. Yeah, that's so, really dope. Yeah, that hey, was the so, that was the first thing I saw. What what was the thing that you saw first that kind of like piqued your interest? Uh, I I had I knew that was coming, and I've kind of been loosely paying attention. But I think, well, let me let me just go to it. The next thing that I thought was interesting was this guy. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Behringer Rhythm Designer RD-808. Behringer 808, those words together, Behringer 808. That's just, that's just a wild thing in the first place, you know what I mean? Now, I think, um, I, I so I can say some, but I don't want to mm -hmm. say too much. I just want to give disclosure so I don't sound biased or whatever, because, you know, information will come out later or whatever. Yeah, of course. But, um had some talks with them about this stuff um in mm -hmm. in early production so um I, I i'm privy to a little bit more information that, that i'm gonna share but i will say that the thing the stuff about this stuff that gets me excited is the size um mm -hmm. it's actually laid out in a way that's not overly big not small um but if you look at like the actual physical layout it looks pleasurable to use, you know what yes, I mean? So exactly. Now the original eight oh eight was huge. And quarter inch outputs, which right. isn't that that big of a deal to me, but it's nice to have it. Like, you know, it especially if you're not primarily using uh Euro rack size stuff. Um, because you know, I have other drum machines that have eighth inch outputs, like the drum brute, um, right. which is cool because I tend to run my drum machines through my Euro rack a lot. But I see this thing being used on stages a lot. Like I saw the IRA range being used on stages a lot. Um, a lot of drum and bass guys, a lot of uh, EDM guys are using the IRA stuff on stage consistently. Mm -hmm. And this is like, dude, you got all those outputs. They're quarter inch. You got MIDI, DIN, in and out and through. You've got the USB, all that stuff. The only thing about it that I've seen so far that um, – had me kind of i don't even want to say disappointed uh i just want to say like you just have to take note of is i i, I would personally like more control over some of the sounds but that's well, that's that's a red herring just simply for the fact that okay it's it's as in essence it's a clone of an 808 right yeah. so it's like well if the 808 didn't have those controls why should this and i get that but at the same time, I, I think I can I ride the fence on that because I, exactly what you just said. But at the same time, it is something new. You, it, you know, it's a revision a clone. So it's nice to have those extra things, a little more extra control, just like you got the filter there. Uh, you got the wave designer. Um, is a wave designer really just a wave shaper? It's basically what it is, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. nice to have those extras on there. So I can the, the transient, yeah, the transient designer on it um has me very interested. Uh the compressor 
I'm always interested to hear the compressor. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, from from what I understand, and the compressors across you know, all the instruments. On top of that, now I well, have the um. Well, not only that, you can. R O eight only has the compressor on the kick and the snare. Well, hold on. This, this is actually something that got got me really uh, excited. Is the fact that you can assign what you want to go to the compressor, and that's mm -hmm. important because. So I have a Tempest, and I love the Tempest, and I hate the Tempest. And one of the things that I love <laughs> slash hate about the Tempest is the distortion is horrible on it. Like, it, mm -hmm. it just sounds like trash. It, it completely removes the low end of, of your sound. Um, and it's only across the stereo master out, right? And on top of that, that's the same with the compressor that's on the Tempest, right? So you only get it out on that stereo bus like like that's it uh mm -hmm. you the only way you can remove sounds from the compressor is if you send them out through individual outputs this you can actually decide what to send to those outputs without you know having to jack in an entire mixer just to set it up so that only only my snare is going through the compressor my snare my hi-hats i want through the compressor kick i want separate you know, if if I did that with a Tempest, I'd have to set up a, an entire separate mixer just to do that. So for me, that's actually really dope. Yep, I agree. I agree. Because, <clears throat> I mean, there's something magical about being able to take the outputs of any of your drum machines or anything and run it through a mixer and be able to have the control that a mixer provides to you. You know what I mean? And then you could have different effects for, like, you could have an effects pedal on each output and run it through a mixer. You could have, you know, um, your, your different effects through the board and be able to shape it and, and, and mix it and do dope things like that. I think that's really dope. That so we're getting a question about level. that filter too. Um, so they have that filter on the, on it as well, mm -hmm. which is which is something um, that it was designed in house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from what I understand, uh, I do believe it's the same filter that's on the Neutron. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I'm like eighty percent sure of that. So, uh, which I have a Neutron. It's behind me. Uh, you can see the red back there, and I will say that. Uh, that filter is dope. Like it's I'm jealous really, about really, that. Really I want good. that neutron. You should be, um, and, and I'm okay with you being jealous of that because you have plenty of stuff that I'm jealous of. So it, it works out. Like we we mutually hate you late. That is hate you late. Let's put the put the put the people up on this on this. We got beat people have. We got a lot of things. We always talk, <laughs> and we got this whole language kind of that has developed. <laughs> and one of the words that happens is uh, "hulating," and so like when when one of the crew gets some piece of gear or something that the rest of us wish we had, we hate we hate you because while we hate and we congratulating and we happy but we mad and it's just a it's a it's a real brotherly love sort of. <laughs> it's this mixed emotion. It's this mixed emotion. It feels so good and it hurts so bad. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. That that filter though is um, it's really cool because like I love two pole filters, and that's like a really really broad statement, and I'm okay with that because it's true. Like mm -hmm. the first Eurorack module I bought was a Sem module, and because I always love that sound, and and you know the Moog ladder filter always gets you know so much praise, but to me, there's more two pole filters out there that I can think of personally that like I really love 
than there are four pole. Um, and you know, and for different reasons too, like when I'm making a beat, um, mm -hmm. and, and I want to, let's say I want to filter drums. I like two poles because they, they allow that bleed through at lower levels. Um, right. and, and to me, they're, they're, they're more fun for, um, filtering out certain sounds and I tend to use them. Uh, I tend to use them more. So this filter though, what's cool about it is it, it walks this line between the way that it growls and screams, you know, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not super squelchy. Like, a, um, I would say I would, in my opinion, like an MS 20 filter, like they get, uh, they get pretty, pretty screamy and whatnot. And then, uh, right. you can get a little bit more squelchy with, a, uh, squelchy slash smooth with, a um, sem. but uh, I'm going to just give you a quick example. Um, we'll do it like this. That delay on that sounds this nice. It's gonna sound kind of weird. Is that that's the internal delay on the neutron? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's got it's got bucket brigade uh, analog delay on it. So I'll turn that off. It's a pretty wild um it's a pretty wild sound of filter but it's super musical is the thing like mm -hmm. it has this kind of that's what it has to be or else it fails <laughs> in my opinion um, and, and and yeah so so i see dissonant in here is uh talking about uh what i was saying about the two pole but yeah so what i was basically saying is that for filtering out things like drums and that sort of thing more often than not i'll use a two pole filter and i've been using that thing a ton on like some of the sample packs I've been creating and whatnot, because mm -hmm. it gives it this, there's like a fuzz to it that just sounds really nice. The saturation is really great on that filter. So that I'm already using it on drums. So combine that with, you know, this 808 thing, I think that's a really cool pairing. Like I have a feeling that that's going to just work really well together. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be dope. I'll find out for sure if that thing is um, is actually the exact same design, but I would have a feeling that it is. I know it's designed by the same guy. Mm -hmm. So, but we'll, we'll see. Let's, the, other, uh, the other thing that we could talk about is the fact that, you know, people were kind of freaking out again because it seems like every show, Behringer comes out and they just kind of like throw like all this crap on the table and they're like, yeah, we <laughs> yeah. did all this. Behringer, and, you know what Behringer is like? Behringer is like the kid back in the days of penny candy where you know you you may not have as much money to buy penny candy or maybe you ate all yours and then your buddy comes through with the penny candy bag and like here it is and pour it all on the table <laughs> so like that's how Behringer come through the the shows man. See, Corey, now you're showing your age now you're showing yeah, your age you're right you're right well, <laughs> well maybe nickel candy not penny candy <laughs> I'm saying I, th I think we paid like a dime for Airheads back in the day, and then I sold them for 25. So there you go, Arc up. Good. Yeah, 
you know the thing about about what Behringer showed because Behringer showed so what we can kind of go through the list a little bit. They showed that the uh what, what was it called like the RD or something RD eight oh eight was the, RD the AOA drum machine, and then they showed their their version of an Odyssey, right? Mm-hmm. Which is completely full sized, mm-hmm. uh, full size keys and everything, nothing mini on it. And then on top of that, it's got effects and a sequencer, right? Mm-hmm. I think it has a sequencer. I'm not sure. I haven't messed with that at all. Um, but we've been aware of this thing coming for a long time now. Like they talked about it for ages. Oh, they and you can save presets on it. As a matter of fact, they announced this before Korg did theirs because I was planning on getting this. Just because of the presets and effects that are on it. I, th- I thought they had announced it like just after Korg did. Because I do um, remember people saying, oh, Korg already did it. Why are you going to do that? Blah, blah, blah. Mm, I could have before. Yeah. So oh, either, oh, either way. Within the same year, I'm sure. Yeah. To me, like clones, in my opinion, I know, I know a lot of people get upset about Behringer for this reason or that reason or whatever. I'll say this much. I know some of the engineers over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know Uli Behringer. Um, I, I had like maybe two conversations with the guy. I don't really know him. And, um, you know, people can have their feelings about things that they've done in the past or whatever. But as far as the clone thing is concerned, to me, it's like, you know, if if companies are upset about this stuff getting cloned and whatnot, I just kind of laugh because I'm like, dude, maybe this should be a wake up call that you guys need to start innovating and coming out with some new gear. Like, because once all the clones are done, it's nothing he's doing that we haven't asked for and it hasn't been all through chat. And that's, yeah, that's the other thing, especially towards Roland. Cause I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, how many times were people like, when, when, when the TR8 came out, people were like, what the hell? We thought it was going to be analog and they were upset. Now, whether analog matters or not, that's a whole separate debate, but the people were asking for it is the bottom line. You know what I'm saying? Um, people were asking for it mm-hmm. and, they, and you know, for whatever reason they were ignoring it. So to me, I'm kind of like, um, I, I'm personally just like, wow, that's, you know, they're doing what people have asked for. So if you're mad about that, you're mad about that, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and there's other options about this thing. There's other angles to it where people are like, Oh, well, they're going to flood the market just to, just to push other people out or this, that, and the third, they have, they have uh control over chip manufacturers. They got control over distribution and, and things that other people don't. And maybe that's a valid case. Maybe okay. it is like a, a like a, a vicious takeover of an industry in a way that the layman isn't really going to see. That might be the case. But at the same time, I look at Moog putting out a mini Moog for, you know, $3,000, you know, and I'm like, yeah, right. you know, at, at some point I'm like, well, which is more egregious? The fact that these guys are pushing other people out of the industry by you know, redoing a design that's, you know, over 50 years old, putting it out for a price that people can afford, or the fact that Moog is like still charging people an arm and a leg for this thing. And then putting out videos where they say, oh, well, we wanted to drop the, we we wanted to put these out and make them affordable for the user. They said that on a video for $150,000 recreation of the ELP synth. They sure did. That was ridiculous. That was a a bigger (laughs) smack in the face than anything. I was like, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? And, and uh, well, I, you know, anyway, I digress. The The point being that when I see these things, you know, I could try and be 
like all, you know, ethically like superior to everybody and say, oh, I'm not going to do this because of this, that and the third. But while I'm typing that, I'd be typing it on a phone that was, you know, made in the same type of factories and this, that and the third. So it's like, where do you draw the line? You know, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, sometimes <clears throat> sometimes our community can be a bit fickle about gear. Like it's it's like anything else to me. If if you don't agree with something, you don't have the right to crap on them. Uh, you can you have an opinion. You can say your opinion, but you know, I mean, I I think some of these people would rather wave a wand and make certain things disappear, and that's just crazy to me. Uh, go get the thing that you want, then. But if it don't exist, don't get mad at people that are taking advantage of this opportunity to have a piece of gear that they would have never been able to have otherwise. <laughs> it just is what yeah. it is and none of this stuff could be out if it was illegal so so i'll i'll say i'll say one thing that um so i was i had a conversation with uli Berenger, right mm -hmm. and here's the thing i'm gonna just i i do believe it was him because i also got some follow-up emails and whatnot um but it was through facebook and it was kind of out of the blue and the conversation that I had with him was a hundred percent lockstep with the um, PR stuff that I had heard as well, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, he dictates what the PR is. So that's, it's perfectly valid as well. If what was said in that conversation is true, it comes from a fairly altruistic standpoint of his thinking is he's, he's getting older and he created his business, which is very very profitable he's doing very well and he has a passion for synthesizers he wants his legacy to be that he made synthesizers affordable to everyone mm -hmm. that was the message that was delivered to me and i kind of pressed him on a few things um and he kind of stuck to what he was saying now you know do i know him personally no can I vouch for him personally? No. And I'm not going to do that until, you know, you know, unless I know somebody very, very well, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. But I will say so far, the walk has been the walk because we can say what we want, but that model D that was released, it passed all the legal channels it did. all day. And with that being said, with it passing those legal channels, it could have been priced at $600 and sold just fine. You know what I'm saying? Like that could have sold at $600 perfectly well. Like there's, I, I don't think anybody was, would have scoffed if he came out and said, Hey, I'm putting this out at $600. People would have still, Oh, come on. This, because what's the, what's the nearest... reaction? Exactly. People would have been flipping out. Like, I can't believe it's that affordable, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but instead it came out at 299 and that's where I got kind of like, well, okay. Is it a, is it a vicious takeover thing where he's like, you know what? I'm not even making a profit on this. It's just a matter of like pushing other people out or mm -hmm. what? Um, I personally, like I've read the glass door reviews. Like, so I'm, I'm not ignorant to other things that are going on out there. Certainly. Um, but it makes me look at the products themselves that are really well designed. Like, uh, a great review to watch is the Starsky car review uh, where he compares the Model D, the Behringer Model D, to the Mini Moog, like an actual Mini Moog. Mm -hmm. And he even talks about how, like, he has the pots placed in the same place, which on an analog device, usually just placing a pot in the same spot doesn't 
really work that well because there's lots of tolerance changes and that sort of thing. But you watch that video and man, it's dead freaking on. <laughs> and I'm saying this, I'm saying this completely unbiased. I don't have that module. I want to buy one. When I do buy one, it'll be my own cash. But I, like I said, I had a house fire. I got other things I got to worry about right now. But that sold me instantly. I was like, yeah, that's dope. You know, and, and if I want the larger form factor, I've even researched um uh the synth pro video was cool too. I see Wagyu saying that. I'm talking about the Starsky car video. Um, I think I'm saying that name right. If not, I'm sure if you Google it, it'll come up. You'll figure out the one I'm talking about. Um, but I've priced out buying a uh you can get replacement parts for a mini moog. Mm -hmm. So you can get the um the wooden case, you can get the overlay, all that stuff. You could buy pretty much everything it takes to make the casing for about $750 to $900 and then buy a uh, Behringer Model T and you could solder, you know, two <coughs> new pots, put it on that panel and you would have one that nobody could tell the difference of unless they opened it up. Man, uh, that's dope. Yeah, like I kind of considered doing this. I like, and to be fair, I consider doing that. Uh, the case, I saw that they're on sale right now. I have to find the website for you guys so I can post it. They're on yeah. sale right now for $299. You can get the black version for $500. This is like an actual wood enclosure for mini Moogs uh, for people who want to repair their old mini Moogs. Um, if you do a Google search, you'll find just Google mini Moog parts um, and you'll find this kind of stuff. Um, it, I think it's something with a C, CEA or something like that. There it is. It's the down one more or actually yeah that's it too yeah so there's a, a mini mode there's two mini mode cases on that site um if you if you look there no well i you had it right the first time but whatever oh, oh good yeah, yeah so anyway Dope. so you can find these parts online my point is is just that like i had considered doing this back when creamware had a mini mode there it is yeah, right there. It's on sale right now um 299 that's crazy yeah 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 and for and for i think it was walnut like that's a steal um so you know anybody looking for that you know check that out but um i was considering doing a creamware creamware is a is a is a creamware is a digital synth company that had mm -hmm. a mini moog back in the day that sounded really good um and i was considering doing exactly this and putting a creamware inside of it because i knew that i couldn't afford moog's ridiculous prices mm -hmm. and at the time they didn't even have they had the voyager old school was the closest you could get right um but yeah i'm sorry like moog's prices are ridiculous like they're 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 rude even you know and I, <laughs> i'm completely unbiased when i say that like it's just which granted like the sub fatty i think is wonderfully priced i think the sub fatty is one of the best synthesizers to come out in a long long time i absolutely love it um so i still have mine and, and I, I think the fatty line in general just those are dope scents even i didn't like the, the slim fatty person I, I like the slim fatty i like the character of it As i think fact, it sounds good i didn't like the control of it and i didn't like go. the build there of you it go. it was, it was I didn't a little like weird in that sense uh but the sound of it i i really rocked that thing like for years it was one of the like when it first came out i, I copped it um and i rocked it with my mpc 5000 for years um when did and, you and, get your voyager I got my Voyager, oh crap, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, maybe four years ago. That's about right, 2014, something like that. 
And uh, a couple months later, I sold the the Slim Fatty. <clears throat> but I do miss that sound because it ain't the same. And that was a, a, a thought that I had. Well, I got this big Voyager, so I don't need this little Slim Fatty, but they ain't the same. No? Not the same. Sound. Yeah, I haven't used them side they're by side. Old, so but they're not the same. Yeah, I, I didn't have them side by side. I, I just remember like getting thoroughly fed up with the idea that they had the cutoff and the resonance on the same knob and you had to switch between the two. Yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, what the hell kind of <laughs> <design> is that? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like that just drove me insane. Um, but I love the fact that you could polychain them, um, mm -hmm. which, which, which was a dope idea. But so in addition to the ARP, uh, which has effects built into it, which is also really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, so the ARP has effects. Uh, I'm sorry, not ARP. Odyssey. The, Odyssey. The, Odyssey. Yeah, the, the Odyssey, the Behringer Odyssey, it has effects. I think it has effects. It has presets um, and it has a sequence. So it does. I saw that. So yeah. they really stepped it up on it. They made it into something that the ARP has not been, whether it was Korg or, or ARP themselves. That thing looks dope to me. Uh, I didn't buy the, the Korg ARP uh odyssey because it to me it was a little fiddly and if i'm gonna be fiddly i'm gonna use my euro rack um mm -hmm. the to me the 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 euro rack is like okay if i got a fiddle with tuning which i personally felt that you actually had one so you can speak more on that yeah. but i'm like yo i'm gonna go to my euro rack if i have to fiddle at all with tuning i'm going to my euro rack because yeah, i can make i can make any thing, synth i want out of that thing yeah the tuning thing was kind of annoying and i will say that the keys were kind of flimsy i loved it though i used it to depth like you know i'm, I'm a guy that like, that thing had I the can, same keys as the ms20 mini which yeah are horrible yeah they are and and i'm a type of guy i can recognize the problems with the thing but the sound is what i loved enough that i looked over those things mm -hmm. but i couldn't front like the those those sliders were kind of wobbly and but you know from what people say that's kind of the way the original ones were too mm -hmm. so you know maybe that's part of the thing but yo baron just seems to have been the smash of yeah. super boot that pro one is gonna happen like i gotta have that and i gotta have that model d like for 299 didn't he say it was 299 yeah yeah they're all so that the neutron and the model d are all gonna be 299 they can all be euro rack mounted and they're all also standalone like dude that yeah. pro one has me hype yeah that's what's up that's crazy uh um, that honestly like as as stupid as it sounds, that thing has me more excited than the DSI Profit X. Mm -hmm. Aside from oh, the fact I'm totally that Profit X is like Profit X, though, I'm totally so not interested. In I, I didn't see the final, but I I heard that it's like four thousand US. <laughs> I know it's like three thousand, like three thousand four hundred euros. Um, but I think it's four thousand US dollars, which. I'm sorry, like that's not happening in my world. Does not appeal to me, so There's I would a, never even consider that. I would consider the 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 Waldorf Quantum before I considered that. Well, well, the Waldorf Quantum Quantum seems to have a lot more to offer, and it has a lot more character. Now I'll tell we're, you, we're talking about Waldorf, outrageous, outrageously priced synths, right? So, exactly. Like that's that's the that's why I'm comparing the two. Like if people are like, oh, those two aren't the same at all. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. because I'm just well, both like I'm just five, comparing how broke I am. <laughs> <laughs> no but doubt. no, to me, like 
So I, I kind of want your opinion on this, and I, I, I plan on having a, a show on the Synth Summit show kind of discussing this a little bit further. But mm -hmm. um, just between us, like, the, the, the best I could figure is that that is aimed towards people who are doing rather well-to-do stage shows. Um, this is for the larger stage show guy mm -hmm. because I don't see it being the soundtrack guy because the soundtrack guy has access to Omnisphere and – uh, Nexus and and Serum and everything else in the VST world right. and is easier to use um, in that context. Um, I see this more as a stage thing, right? I think and, that could be the, the focus. of And it. if it's a stage thing, then I look at it and I say, well, do the, are, the only analog aspect of it, from what I understand, is the filters, maybe the VCAs, but definitely the filters. Um, and they are um the 2044 there are recreations of the 2044 filter which is the ssm filter that dave rossum of emu designed right mm -hmm. um and apparently they're they're slightly tweaked whatever um to me oh my, my my watch is talking to me and i can't shut it up um <laughs> to me that that's a cool filter i like that filter i like it way more than the curtis filters he used in the previous profits um i just sample wise and, and and everything that it's doing like it's it's a cool idea but for that price point and for who it's marketed towards i wonder wouldn't somebody who's gonna buy that rather buy something like a cord chronos or a um the the what's the successor to the motif um that lacks the sequencer and all that stuff oh the montage the montage and mm -hmm. and that kind of thing to me it, it feels like okay look analog filters are great but a really good digital filter is great too so it's like for what you can do with it i just don't know man and the adio library library that comes with it they're pretty decent um mm -hmm. but so it's a 150 gigabyte library i believe yep that's what it says that like i don't put a lot of strength into just the size of the library because somebody like eric persing can do with 80 gigabytes what somebody else with three terabytes couldn't do right so it's like adio is fairly well respected um you know some people like their library some people don't like their libraries it goes back and forth like they're kind of mixed reviewed but to me personally i'm like this just doesn't check all the boxes that i would be willing as as somebody who's going to be primarily in a studio is going to use like if i was on a stage maybe but even then i'd be looking at the nords and i'd be looking at the chronos and i'd be looking at you know what yamaha has to offer and they may have a little bit less hands-on control so maybe that's the factor you know yeah i, I don't know see this kind of thing uh, I, I think it's out of character for dave smith instruments and it just seems like an odd choice to do um i do think that you know obviously what's peter keys is one of the dudes that's always been the demo guy for dave smith instruments and he's been using this i can see somebody like him because he plays big gigs like american idol and stuff like that yeah um i could see him being a performing keyboardist and touring uh, musician using the crap out of something like this and other artists but you know I guess you it might appeal to guys that prefer hands-on and don't necessarily want to be on the computer and doing things right so there's that stuff but i just really feel like this is so out of character for dave smith it just seems odd 
Uh, well, actually, that's the thing that I like about it, which is the funny part, because like to me, like I love Dave Smith and, and what he's done for the music industry. But at the same time, I want to wring his neck at the same time, because I'm like a lot of what he does, I feel like is almost phoning it in. And I know that that's super ignorant to say, like, mm -hmm. and I know that I'm going extreme in my verbiage on it. I'm, I'm being a little bit, you know, over the top with that, but there's certain things that he does in synths that drive me insane. And one of them is, you know, for a while he was constantly reusing the same chips, which I didn't feel like was a very interesting filter to begin with. Um, and then, you know, I have issues with his control, like his filter controls tend to be very coarse and he has his reasons for that, which he made a design choice that he feels comfortable with. So that's a preference. Okay. And I get that. So, you know, what might work for my use case might not work for others. Use case might make, it's probably great for some of my friends that, that do uh, live shows for huge artists. But for me working in a studio and doing sound design, I'm like, Oh, I hate that it does this. I will say this, Dave Smith, the build of his keyboards, the mm -hmm. layout of his keyboards, I love. I love yep. the, the knobs. Um, I I was pretty critical of the Prophet 12 before I actually got one. Um, the, the, the module, I was really upset that he didn't have like ADSR dedicated knobs and all. And after having one, I still kind of felt that way. I still felt like, dude, if you added eight more knobs, yeah, it would have cost you maybe twenty more dollars per unit to do. Yeah, it would um, raise the cost. But it would have been it would have been great. Um, but that being said, it was still really well laid out, even with mm -hmm. as few knobs as it had. It's still super quick to program on, and I really liked it. Uh, but I still felt. That thing is a modulation monster, and I I love the fact that he did wave, not not even actual wavetables in it, but just complex waveforms in it and that sort of thing. Um, I loved it, but I hated the filter, and I felt like there was there were compromises made that didn't need to be made. When I saw that you could do some really cool things with samples in it, it got me super excited mm -hmm. because I have a Tempest, and I love the hands-on control of the Tempest, but I hate the fact that I can't import my own samples. I hate the fact that a lot of the waveforms in the Tempest are ruined because there was some sort of glitch when they were imported and they never fixed it. Uh, they didn't catch it or whatever. Um, there's flaws in that thing that, yeah, the flaws add to, to make it sound how it sounds, and I guess that's cool. But to me, I'm like, dude, like you should have caught that for <laughs> something that costs that much money. Um this is the first thing that I've seen him do in a long, long time that felt new to him, like new to, to his brand. You know what I mean? Like the fact that right. what Dave Smith is actually using samples and stuff like that is new. That, that's a, that's yeah. new since he did a drum machine way back in the day. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, like, but his current company hasn't really been messing with this kind of stuff. And for that level, I'm excited. I hope it trickles down into a more affordable product that is forward thinking. You know, yeah. I feel the same. I feel yeah. the same way about a lot of his stuff. I just I, like, I want the best for that company. And I just feel like they've been doing things for a while that were like, they were the only analog poly guys in the game for a long time. And now that the, the game has caught up to him, I'm like, Oh, now he has to innovate, you know? Well, yeah, he has to innovate, but like it's interesting stuff like this, you know, 
uh, what uh, Wagyu said wasn't sample import promised for the Tempest. Uh, well, sample import on a profit X is supposed to be in December. Yep. Uh, we'll see how that works out. That's the other thing is that, is that <laughs> as much as, as much as I, I respect Dave Smith, um, I will not be a, um, early adopter of his products anytime soon. Um, like I will hang back for at least a year and see where the OS updates, uh, come. And I will watch to see if, uh, the bullet points on the website and promises uh, match up because up until like two years ago, he had, you know, he had an interview on his website where he was talking about, oh yeah, you know, sample imports coming to to the Tempest or or this is something that we would quote like to do, and yeah, it it, it at that point he had already come out and said that it wasn't ever going to happen, but I guess it was like a like a mistake on the website or whatever that that was still left up. And, um, it got, it got corrected later on, but like, man, like, I feel like I, I'm, I'm coming. I always feel like whenever I talk about Dave Smith, I sound like I'm being overly harsh. The fact of the matter is that I like his products so much. I want them to be the way that they should be, not the way that they end up being, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, there's this thing, man. I mean, you know, don't promise things and don't deliver. That's a tough thing, you know? Uh, and I mean, Hey, uh, procrastinators unite tomorrow. Wait a minute. Next time. That's kind of, but when you run a business, <laughs> you can't be like that. You gotta, you, and so it's probably would behoove him to put the products out as they are, big up what they are. And if you end up adding extras later, big those up when you actually do them. That way, if you never do them, it's not a big deal. Nobody cares. What about uh? So you had you had a profit six, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, why'd you sell it? Uh, so I sold it after a long time of having it, um, and I actually really enjoyed it. But you know what? Uh, over the last uh, year that I've had it, I just haven't used it much. So part of it was. Um, since I've had my Euro rack, I just haven't touched the Profit Six much. And I know they don't even occupy the same realm, but it's just that I haven't touched it much. Now, to begin with, I think, you know, I had the Profit Eight and uh I got rid of that because I didn't I didn't like something about the sound, and it's tough for me to figure out exactly what it was. It just felt a little more clinical than I expected it to sound. Um, that's not to say it's whack, it just wasn't the sound I was expecting. So I got rid of that after about a year of having it. And then I got the profit six and re to, to replace it. And that was the sound I was searching for. And it was real dope. And I've done a lot of dope stuff with it. Uh, but then I just didn't use it. The more I've gotten into Eurorack, the less I use my profit six. Um, so, yeah, I just didn't I just didn't jump in. It, it just kind of and then I looked at it and, and it was sitting there not being used. Now, mind you, it could have had more modulation. There was some things that uh, could have had. But I got into the the poly. Uh, I can't think of the name of it, but uh, some of the some of the features I kind of got into. Um, but ultimately, I just didn't use it as much. And so I looked at it like there's a two thousand dollar joint just sitting there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what? You know what upset me is that I saw that and the OB6, and I liked mm -hmm. them. I liked yeah. everything about them. But what I didn't like is that he does this thing, and and he has his business model and his reasons. And I'm not criticizing that. I'm just simply saying like why it wasn't right for me. Like 
I looked at the Prophet 12 and I was like, this thing is a modulation monster. And me personally doing sound design, I'm like, I love that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I had complete freedom with that thing. I could do whatever I wanted on that thing. You know, I never felt myself wanting where I was like, oh, I need an extra envelope or I need an extra LFO or whatever. Never felt like that with that thing. That thing is badass, right? Yeah. But I always felt like, man, these filters kind of suck. And I was always jealous of the Pro 2 because the Pro 2 had the two different filters in it. And I was like, man, that, that would have yeah, been the awesome. Pro 2 is, is a sleeper. People kind of sleep on and, Pro and 2. And that thing came out afterwards too. But mm -hmm. when I saw the the Pro, the Prophet 6 and the OB6 come out, I was like, oh, that's dope. So he did discrete, uh, discrete oscillators and filters on it. And that that's just dope. Mm -hmm. But then I looked at the modulation side of things and I was like, man, it's pretty boring on that front like, like, <laughs> right right he did some cool things on it and as a musician's tool for a band or whatever like it's dope like mm -hmm. it's really usable and and so it, it comes down to who did he market it to who did he want to buy it that kind of thing and so i can't criticize the design on that front you know what i mean but for me personally i was like man like i wish he would do these types of ideas but do them for me. Like, <laughs> do them for the person who wants to dive crazy deep. Who, who? That's all he lives for is just you know tweaking knobs and doing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Because some people can say, you know what? Yeah, but but uh, this is for the musicians guy and blah blah blah. And that's great. Like I think for a, a guy who wants to play jump on stage, that thing mm -hmm. is perfect. You know, for the guy who wants, and not just that, like that sounds belittling, like just well, for the stage musician, that thing is fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. and even for production songs, it's it sounds fantastic. But man, like he has the possibility to do so much more. And for the price points that they're at, I'm like, man, utilize your possibilities, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what I want to see. I want to see that stuff done. Um, so let, let's let's move on further from that because I'll rant for days on that because oh, I just so love good. I love Dave Smith's products so much that I get really passionate about them and it comes off as hate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's so the opposite. Um, yeah. So the uh, the other thing I would say is they they had the SH one hundred one, the MS one hundred one is what Behringer's talking about, right? Which is an S a full size SH one hundred one. Yep, that's dope. With, with FM, uh, it's got mm -hmm. popular modifications built into it. That thing looks dope. Um, that gets at my heart of you know I've been wanting an Atlantis for a while, but that yeah I always sidestep. I've I've wanted the Atlantis, and then I step like ah, I'm not gonna do it. But you know what? Like I said before, I got no shame in saying it. Um, I'm gonna mess around and have a shed out back, a synth shed out back full of Behringer synths when it's all said and done. That so they did that. They did the Pro One. Um, did they announce anything else? So let's talk about the leak, right? There was a leak a little while back, mm -hmm. and the leak was they had the MS One Hundred One was on there, that Pro One was on there, mm -hmm. that Odyssey was on there. You know. All mm -hmm, these things mm -hmm. that are kind of coming to fruition now that they said, oh, you know, there was just a mistake and these were just ideas. That stuff was all on that website. It they was had all VCS. Yeah. Dude, the VCS was on there. I'm, I'm still, I'm not going to forget that leak. I want that VCS. I don't care. Yeah, the, what, the whole website was up. They do a VCS. 
Say what you want. That is happening. My wife mm-hmm. is gonna be pissed because I'm buying I'm everything. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so hey, let me just show this right quick. So this is uh 20 sill. I've always called them 20 SYL, but I think it's 20 sill. Okay. This is one of my favorite producers. Um, and I didn't realize that, but I, you know what? He's done commercial music, right? Music for commercials. Okay. And when I've heard it, I've always like, I'll literally rewind the commercial just to hear the music and the dude is dope. But then I heard some other stuff and then I start really connecting the dots that it's the same dude. Anyway, I love the way he combines uh, hip hop production, but with sense too, though. Right. So I think right here, if I'm not mistaken, is that the pro, the pro two? No, that's the profit. You know, that's the profit 12. So that's the profit 12, I'm but pretty sure, he has right? used the Yeah, it's the profit 12. I see it up yeah. in the upper corner over here. Um, he has used the uh, Profit 6 a lot. And I think that's the whole reason I brought this up because we were talking about the Profit yeah. 6 and the Profit X and all that. The the way he uses uh, for the type of music he makes, he makes Dave Smith's instruments. He displays them in a wonderful way. He does dope production with those Dave Smith instruments. And I, I got to respect him for that. Um, and it's not like it's like super complex stuff, but it just adds just the right seasoning over the tracks that he makes. Um, yeah, y'all get a chance. Check him out. 20 Sill, 20 S-Y-L. Dope, that, dope that, dude. That still reminds me. I need I need to pick up an NPC Live. Like, I, I keep having <laughs> other things come up where, like, because it doesn't, well, I can't say it doesn't because it would actually help my business. But, like, I need to get one of those things. Um yeah, yeah. The live? Huh? Yeah, yeah the live. live. I want the live just because I want the portability. Like, I'm all mm-hmm. about, like, normally in, in just about any other method, I'd be like, oh, I want the X. But truth be told, I really want the portability of it more than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. So, hey, that's another thing that we should talk about kind of quickly. Like, I know we're talking Superbooth and all, but just before Superbooth, yep. um, NPC has an update where they allow you to use third-party controllers using push yep, using dope. machine uh using what, what uh the the other not the mp well yeah the mpd but that what's the other controller the was it the trigger finger or whatever yeah uh, yeah all those uh, different controllers so and they they were they had a uh a coupon where it was like 99 dollars for the software so um i didn't bite just because What's I plan on getting update? alive. Uh, that was that was. And what's the latest uh, firmware? See, it's like two point two or is it two point five? I don't know. Two two point something. Yeah, I think it's two point two. Uh, let's see what the release notes say about this. So yeah, that was on April eighteenth. MIDI Learn Global and Project Premapped Controllers. Uh, also includes automated controller mapping for controllers from Akai, Alesis, M-Audio, Novation, and Native Instruments. Yeah. Humanize, uh, randomize the timing of velocity of MIDI, and uh, generate random events. <clears throat> so I tried, I tried generate random events, and uh-huh. still trying to figure out a really musical way to use it. There's uh, a there's a hidden mode in an old version of Machine where mm-hmm. you can actually do that. Um, but it was never, it was never told to the public, 
there's a special combinations of of keyboard presses that you can press on machine and you could do exactly that but they wow. never wanted they wanted to leave it as an easter egg and nobody ever found it so uh. <laughs> I, and i'm i'm sworn to secrecy as to what it is so like i just kind of stay hush on it but uh the yeah man like the the thing about random right mm-hmm. and this get this qualifies for euro rack and anything else random is super useful but to me random is most useful when you can set wow. restrictions on it like when yeah, you yeah, set, yeah, like a controlled random yeah yeah, yeah. like I'm i like i that. like random where i can say okay this is my low limit this is my high limit give me random in between that you know what mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. well you so, know what uh so i have a couple random modules over here and i've done things on them where i modulate those joints in a certain way or do things where i'm using it to modulate stuff um but while i'm playing notes like so i'll sequence something on my euro rack playing a, a groove or rhythm or something into my MPC, let that play back to me. And then I'll use a random module to modulate the the notes that's being played. And to me, that's a more controlled random. And then you can kind of tweak it where it just sits just right where it's a musicality and a rhythm about it. That's the way I like to use it. And to, to, to the like FL Studio and, mm-hmm. and doll user, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can get random as well. Like a lot of the times you can just get a sample and hole generator and, you know, that kind of thing um, and send it noise and you can get random that way. So if you're looking to do like uh, a lot of the times what I what I like to do is I like to do slight randoms on um, mm-hmm. on hi hats. Because I like to, I like to vary just, just gently. Like I like to vary velocity of hi hats, and uh, because I'm not an acoustic drummer, but I can finger drum, right? Mm -hmm. But even finger drumming, um, there's a, there's a limit to the dynamics on pad controllers, um, and and depending on what pad controller I'm on, like for instance, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll mess with, uh, I'll do finger drumming on, on this, right? So let's just say. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I can finger drum on my Euro rack, right? That's a Euro rack drum machine over there. It's all drum modules in that black case. Um, and if I finger drum on that, I'm limited to certain aspects of Euro rack. Um, so I don't have full control over velocity and accents and that kind of thing. Um, I have certain things patched up so I can sort of do that, but not nearly as deep as if I was using my MPC or my machine. Right. So, right. Uh, what I'll do is I can I can track in the hi hats right, throw that in, and then you can uh, throw a sample and hold with a noise generator on it. Limit the amount that you're you're varying, and put that as the volume of my hi hats oh. and of the vo- you know volume of that track. So it'll vary, you know, kind of in this random way as the hits come in, so that you'll get this kind of less stagnant sound because that's one Mm -hmm. thing that as a as a hip-hop producer i always hated how stagnant people would be content to be you know (laughs) in in a way in a way that that's that's part of the hip-hop sound right like Mm -hmm. in a way that's part of certain like for instance i love shook ones right right and if you listen to shook ones right part two Mm -hmm. you get that it, it sounds like a factory like it sounds like something's being manufactured over and mm-hmm. over and over again. You know what I mean? Like you get that, yep. that this repetitive sound. So it has to have that feel. But one thing I always hated is, is I don't like my drums to sound like that. I like the sample to be like that. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I like, I like this repetitiveness in the sample that kind of draw that, that is a bed for the lyricist to play with, you know, like if right. you have this repetitiveness in the sample uh, looping, the lyricist can bounce all over the place off of those. Yeah, totally get busy. Off of yeah, that sound, of right? But the drums, I like my drums to be different for every four bars. Like mm-hmm. I like my drums to kind of change up and bounce off, off of what he's even saying. Sometimes I'll go in and I'll change the drums after the lyricist has laid stuff down so that I can kind of bounce off of him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you know, random is beautiful for that kind of thing. Because then it's like, well, now it no longer sounds like a finger drummer or somebody programming in it a step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it gives, it's nice to have the beat have some life. And that's what's dope. And you know, you just reminded me of somebody mentioned in there. Marbles. Um, yeah. Uh, can you see that? Yep. So what do you think about marbles? Marbles is what, a random gate generator? random voltage generator. I've heard some people say it's like a sequencer. Uh, yeah, so so I haven't used one and I don't have one, um, but I'll say this. Uh, so I've had a lot of random modules um, and I've gotten rid of a lot of random modules because I want my random to be a little bit more controlled. Um, the ultra random, Steady State Fate makes a great random module called the, st- the Steady State Fate Ultra Random. Mm-hmm. And that thing is fantastic fantastic this is the first module i've seen since then that's made me kind of like look at it like whoa like okay that i could definitely see me rocking because mm-hmm. you can do you can do all kinds of envelopes with it like there's so many different things that you can do with that thing that just look musical yeah you know? i think this is going to be one of those mainstays that well <laughs> most mutable instruments modules are though right but i think it's going to be one of those mainstays kind of like maths where you can do so many things with it. It's just a dope utility and you can kind of do all kinds of stuff. So songs 481 finally called us live and I just want to give him a shout out Word. <laughs> or, or her a shout out. I don't know if it's a boy or girl. Shout or, out to, to song 481. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to say that's, it's a very, it's very across the board name. So I, 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 I caught myself <laughs> doing that and I just, look, I didn't assume. I, didn't yeah, assume. I, get, I get an internet gold star on that one. So, <laughs> um, yo, so hold on before we get through all the mutable stuff. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and I know like the show, the show will be long cause there's a lot to talk about, man. Um, yeah, yeah. yo, the Odessa, did you see Odessa. that module? I did not. Oh my God. Let me pull it up. So this thing has me excited. This is the, my module pick of the show is the Odessa. So what it is, is it is a, uh, it's an additive uh, synthesis module. Male. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Okay. So, okay. My fault. I, I digress. What's up with the, uh, uh, the Odessa? All right. So hold on. I just, I just told him he had to think about it first. Just to be sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> cold source. <laughs> All right. So it's called the night. It's the Odessa 1975 variable spectrum harmonic cluster oscillator. I'm going to share my screen. I'm, I'm just on the, um, the modular grid page of it. Cause modular grid is awesome. Uh, which I actually have to renew my, um, subscription to. I need to do that, uh, sooner rather than later. 
Um, hold on, let me share my screen because I already have it pulled up. If you don't mind, we'll do Google Hangouts. Make sure I'm not showing anything on my screen that I'm not allowed to. I always have crap up that I can't show. So hold on. So uh, where am I at? Here we are. Can you see it now? Yep. Okay, good. All right. Um, so yeah, 1975 variable spectrum harmonic cluster oscillator. What matters to me about this is a few things. One, through zero linear frequency modulation. Love how that stuff sounds. So I'm hype about that. 2,500 2, harmonic part, uh, partials generated. So this is an additive synthesis module. So if you're from the VST world, think of like a razor, right? Mm -hmm. Additive synthesizer or uh, certain certain organs and whatnot. Um, here's what's crazy about this thing, man. It is digital, right? And it, man, I'm like, I'm just hyped by all the possibilities of this thing. It's not for the weak of heart. Um, FPGA chip, you know, this thing is, is looking really dope. They have it listed here, $470. Mm-hmm. To me, this is going to be one of the modules that will end up in my rack eventually because this type of module is going to give you sounds that you're just not going to get in right. other ways. You get up to five copies of the sound and you spread them apart. So, um, it, yeah, if you're if you're familiar with things like the Swarmatron, um, mm -hmm. where you can get the that that huge sound and they spread it apart with that ribbon. Right. Uh, you can kind of do that with this module, which I love that kind of sound. Like I love interesting pad sounds. This thing to me is super Wow, dope. how much is that going for? 470 is what it's listed for on here. So somewhere between 470 and 490, but wow. yeah. Uh so and I love the design of it. It looks good. Um, I'm gonna not pronounce the name because i don't know how to pronounce it is it zach or zayak i never know i, I never i've never known i'm not a good enough human being to pronounce i have it properly. and i love it it's one of my most favorite models one of the ones that i'm like i'm glad whoever told me about it told me about it chaos that's it that's how they. <laughs> oh, is it chaos? It's chaos. That's somebody yeah, told me stupid. that before. Thank you. Thank you for making me feel stupid, dissonance. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Dick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> classic, classic. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. So yeah, yeah. I haven't ever. I've never had any of their modules, but they all look really good. So, yeah. um, hold on. Am I still screen sharing? Uh, yep. How do I stop? It's like a blackout over there. All right, hold on. Let me try something. I got to start screen share and then. Yep. It should stop. It don't stop. Not... Really? <laughs> it don't stop. But hey, you know what? I think this is a good time. I don't know. Y'all don't even know. I haven't been keeping track of the the time that we've been on, but I think we can, we're going to call it one. You okay. got anything you want to wrap up with? Um, I'd like to wrap up by saying that I can't stop screen sharing and that kind of sucks. <laughs> um, maybe I, maybe I can do this real quick. Hold on. Hold on. Give me, give me. At least I seconds. see your logo now. I guess that's not working. Okay, I tried to. Masada says he's not a fan of the generate random events on the NPC. All right, well, I'm I'm gonna make it my life's work to find a musical way to use that, and then I'm gonna make a video 
Like I had a Turing machine and it was cool, but I got rid of it because I ended up finding that uh, using sequencers that can do things that are unexpected, I preferred. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so- I mean, well, you know what? That's to me getting into mod map and this this notion of combining boom bap with modula introduces uh, that stuff, huh? Almost, yeah. So it kind of introduces that kind of stuff, like having the rigidity and and sort of the whole i don't know i guess rigidity is the word i'm looking for but the formulaic almost thing of boom bap but then adding the randomness and wildness almost in in a controlled environment though of modular that's what i like that kind of introduces something that you know throws things slightly off kilter while you're still on the grid to me combining those two is what i love yeah, you know, I I like using random more for like hitting uh envelopes and that sort of thing to, to like bring in like strange rhythmic patterns that I wouldn't normally think of. Um, I use the trigger riot a lot, and you can do these probability things with it that are just phenomenal for that kind of thing. Like uh, I I posted some patches on Instagram the other day. Um, so you go on their Instagram at uh flux three hundred two. And if you listen to the neutron in those patches, the neutron's pseudo random because I'm sending it a gate, but the gate is going into a maths, and one channel of maths is cycling, right? And the other mm-hmm. channel isn't, right? But then I have the uh the fall of one channel uh manipulated by the other channel. So as it hits, it gives it this kind of random amount of fall and it gives it this random amount of triggering that's going mm-hmm. to the neutron. So you get these patterns that are, they come in on time, but they're not always in the same place. You right. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they, they still come in on time in a weird way, but they're not always in the same place. And right. I love that. You that know? So is what I'm talking about. That's a lot of the times w- what I'll do with random. So, but Water. yo, we'll end this show. And uh, I'm going to have sometime during this weekend. I don't know if it'll, it'll probably be tomorrow, not today. Um, but I'm going to do a, a, another Synth Summit show tomorrow on my channel, which is, again, you can go to Flux with it and uh, find my channel or YouTube it, whatever. But um, And we'll kind of continue the discussion, too, because there's so much more to talk about. Yes, indeed. So, yo, uh, as per usual, um, be sure to subscribe, tune in. We'll be doing more of these, obviously. And uh, find me on all social media at uh, B-Boy Tech Report or uh, Beat People. If you're going to Twitter, though, it's The Beat People, spelled like this, B-E-A-T-P-P-L. All right? Squad, 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 squad. Peace. Peace.